Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. He is so worthy. He's so worthy. Are you happy you came to church? Who's happy there in the house of God this morning? Me too. Hello, Lillian. Oh, it's good to see you guys. Welcome back anyone that has had sickness or COVID because there's been a lot around. But boy, is it good to be in the house of God together, together. Honestly, when I sing at home, it never sounds this good. (laughs) And I'm always worried because I have Georgia living in my house and she can sing. And I'm like, I, I sing in the shower, I sing everywhere, but it's never in tune. But church, there's something about coming together and worshiping together with the sound of heaven together. And like, like Nick was saying, Nick, you're on fire this morning. Oh my goodness. You know what I was thinking when Nick was praying, now this is church. Now this is church. Okay, I hope you're ready for church this morning. That means that we don't just sit and listen, we take part in church, okay? So if you have something in your heart, you just shout it out, all right? Because I really believe that God is in a new season with His church. I believe He's pulling off some old garments we've been wearing, limits we've sat under, and He's changing His church to becoming more like Him. And He's going to fill His church with glory. Do you know that? Okay, church, you can sit down. We're going to come around the Word. Thank you. Thank you, team. Great, great worship. I'd like to just do that all morning because that was awesome. Before I start, I just want to pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. Jesus, we love you. And it's the greatest privilege to come on a Sunday morning and give you time and to minister to you and love on you and praise you and worship you. But Father, we just want to come around your word and we want to honour it. But more than anything, Father, we want to hear what you are saying. We want to know what heaven's saying. And we want to lean into that this morning. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you for your word. And we pray that you would speak each, to each of us personally. The word that we hear would be just for us. And Father, we thank you for what you're about to do because we are expectant in Jesus' name. I am expectant. Yes, I am. Are you? Are you expectant? Are you glad you're here? Yes. Do you love the word of God? Yes. Do you believe the word of God can change your life? Yes. Okay, so listen up. Uh, (laughs) God is good. Okay, last night, God reminded me of something while I dreamed, while I dreamt I was sleeping. And he reminded me that um, all through history, there's been men and women that have done incredible things for God. Uh, There's men and women who've been willing to pay a price and a cost to see more of God move in their life. And he said what these people have done, he said as they started to dig deeper into God, often because what they were going through was really tough and really hard and and they had nothing in this world that could fix the problems that they faced and so they would dig really deeply into God, into His presence to touch the hem of His garment because they needed a breakthrough. And, And the Lord reminded me as I slept last night and He said these men and women gave their life often in prayer on their knees, often in places that nobody saw. And they would petition heaven and petition heaven 
and petition heaven and petition heaven and petition heaven until something broke through and heaven came down to earth and something shifted. And he said to me last night as I slept, he said, you know what these things, these places are called where these men and women have laid their life down on their knees before God and pulled heaven down to this earth. Do you know what those places are called? They're called thin places. Thin places where heaven collides with earth, where another dimension becomes more real than the dimension that they're living in. And the very thing, the battle that they're fighting, they're fighting against suddenly has no power because heaven invades that battle. And he said thin places are what he calls digging wells. Digging wells. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about digging wells because I don't know about you, but I want to live in a thin place. That thin place is where angels ascend and descend. This is where our gospel of Jesus Christ becomes real. What we live is not just in our head, it's living as us, as people. And so I'm in this place and I'm not satisfied anymore to just do church. Okay? So I'm... uh, you know what, and I'm not even going to make I'm not even going to apologize for being passionate. I'm not going to apologize if I don't get my words right. I'm going to tell you I love Jesus so much. I've given him my life, and I want to be a thin place. Because I have some battles in my world that need heaven to invade. Do you? Do you? Are you ready? No more church. Are we to sit quietly and contained? Now we're to take the word of God and we're now to put it to work because it will not return void. Okay, so today we're going to read out of Genesis 26 and I'm, I'm kind of going to skip scriptures so they will be up there, but bear with me, okay? Now, there was a famine in the land. Genesis 26.1. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Verse 15. Now the Philistine had stopped up all the wells which his father's servant had dug in the days of Abraham his father and they had filled them with earth. So what did Isaac do? Next generation. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of his father. Oh, just those words get my spirit going. And Isaac dug again. Oh, <laughs> could it be that God's calling us to dig again? Okay, wells represent a life source. In the ancient Eastern culture, what they represented was they could not survive. The area and the atmosphere where they live is too hot without water. They need water. And so what they would do is they would go to a new land and they would dig a well. And they would dig and they would dig and they would dig until they found water. And when they found water, a most amazing thing happened. you know what happened? That if water started to flow, they claimed the land. Think about that. When water started to flow, they claimed the land. That land became theirs. And when water started to flow, flow, it was a sign of a thriving community that was blessed. And Abraham dug wells. The enemy stopped them up. Don't be surprised if you get opposition. Okay? But then came the next generation, Isaac, who had a responsibility to restore and renovate the wells that his father had dug. Think about those who've gone before us. What do they dig? What's our responsibility? Restore and renovate what's been dug. Okay? Enemy has come and he has put dirt in our wells. Why do we 
renovate and restore for those yet to come. Okay, it's on our bracelet, all right, for those yet to come. It's so important. You see, those wells, for some they've been wells of presence, prayer, healing, breakthrough. Whatever those wells are, others have sown for them and our call is that we would redig for them. Have you ever been driving down the road? <laughs> and in our area, we have a lot of um, roadworks. It is really annoying, and I am not a road rage person, am I, David? But I tell you what, I'm on the brink of it. Okay. <laughs> and have I been through a red light? I have. We have got these lights sitting near us, okay, that we line up and line up, and we go, 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 go. And the person in front of you is looking out the window, and it's gone green, and you've got like 10 cars in front of you, and you're late. <laughs> and I tell you what, you have to live that Mount Tambourine Road to understand what I'm talking about. And it goes red, and every person that lives in that area breaks the red light. <laughs> Except, oh, except me. No, no, I actually have. I'm going to repent. I have. I've broken the red light. And then I've gone, as we get through the red light, I'm like, please, God, let there be no cameras. <laughs> and as we come down the hill, there's a little sign there, and it says, check your speed. What's it what's asking me to do? Take notice of what's important. Because you get so... You know, life's happening, we're going places, and a sign comes up and says, check your speed. And the Lord said to me as I passed it this week, he said, you tell the people today, check your flow. Okay, it's not a check your speed sign, it's a check your flow. Check your flow. Do we need to make adjustment on what's important? We need to change our focus. Recently, Val, I don't know if you remember, but you came up to do a communion, and you had a prophetic word. And you said many, many in this room have had the river flowing through their life and something has come to block that river. Now I sat on that front row and I'm like, we're not done with that prophetic word. Okay, that prophetic word, God just nagged me and nagged me and nagged me and said, Claire, that word was spoken and we did do nothing about it. And so today we're doing something about it. You see, the enemy will always camp and oppose the place of the presence of God in your life. When you start to dig, when you start to say, I'm going to come to church every day, I'm going to pray, you watch, opposition's going to come up because he does not want you to find water. Okay, he's going to throw as much dirt in your well as possible. So don't be surprised. Don't say to me, oh, I'm having such a hard time. If you say that to me, I'm saying, yes, you must be building God's kingdom because you're going to get opposition, okay? You see what blocks our flow? is our focus, what we focus on. Are you going to focus on the enemy or are you going to focus on what God's doing? Because God is doing something great. And if anybody knows me and if you've been to Brave, you will know I cannot stop talking about rivers. Okay, we started this term, rivers, rivers of life. And in the Bible, it speaks of life. It's a theme in the Bible. Do you know that the Bible starts in Genesis with a river? The river, its function is to water the garden. And you know what? Last chapter in, Gen in Re Revelations, guess what? Eden restored and it says, there was a river. The river was central to everything of the kingdom. Okay. Rivers, Isaiah prophesied. He says, don't remember the former things. 
Behold, look, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know? I will make roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What he was saying was new life is about to spring forth. He was prophesying of the coming Messiah who would speak a new message of hope that was going to be like rivers flowing through every dead, dry place in your life. Rivers of life would flow. And then we have Ezekiel. Ezekiel sees this vision and he sees a river coming down from the temple and it's trickling, just a little trickle. And then he's just like ankle deep. And then the river gets deeper and deeper until it's so big he can't cross it. And what he notices is that wherever this river goes, everything becomes alive. Everything is, has abundance. And he, said, he notices that every tree that's planted by that river okay, has fruit. And even in famine, it actually doesn't even know there's famine or drought because it's planted by the river. And see, what he was saying was wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached will be like a liver, river releasing life. And the psalmist, this is what he says. He said, those, those that delight in God's word and read it day and night, they will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bearing fruit in every season. And whatever they do will prosper. The river brings health and fruitfulness. Don't you love that? And then this is the best one, okay? Jesus called himself the living water. John 4, 13, he said, whoever drinks of, this, of the water, this water, okay, is going to thirst again. Yep, we are. We're going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, Jesus, he dug the deepest well of all. He went to the cross. And that day at Calvary, he dug a well so deep and he claimed territory. Guess what the territory was? You and me. He said, that is mine. I take it back. How cool is that? Jesus dug the greatest well we could ever imagine. And he invites us to drink deeply. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Lord, we can drink with joy from the wells of salvation. We can drink. And John 7, 38, now listen to this because this is for us. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That word innermost in the Greek is actually womb. Out of your womb will flow life. That's you and I. He's asking us. He says, when I came to the earth, I brought kingdom. Everywhere Jesus went, okay, he healed, he set free every person oppressed by the devil. Every person tormented where Jesus went, he released the river of life. How good is that? You know, this river is central to the kingdom. River in the Hebrew is Nahar. It means sparkle or cheerful. This river flowing in your life and mine is going to make us joyful. It's going to make us happy. It's going to be incredible life flowing through you. You're not going to be dry and dusty. You're going to be fresh and flourishing and fruitful. And then John 1, and this is how we know this river is Jesus. It says, in the beginning, we should know this church. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. If you need some light today, 
because you're in a dark place, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is your hope. Jesus is all you need. Isn't he all you need? Isn't he all you need, church? Jesus. And you see, we've got to be connected to the life source for that river to flow. Psalm 46 says, God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God most high into his holy dwelling places. There's an invitation here. What flowed in Jesus? He wants to flow through you. Okay, John 14, 23. Loving me empowers you to obey my word and my Father will love you so deeply that we will come and make our dwelling place with you. Think of that. That the most high God wants to dwell and live in you and in me. Like that is incredible. He created the world and he wants to live in us. I have this friend in India. When we went to India, Dave and I, a few years ago, it was super hot. I could not stop drinking water. Wherever I went, I had a bottle of water. It was so hot, wasn't it, David? I'm going to drink now. It was so hot. And what I noticed was in India, if you don't have water, you don't live. In India, this water is vital. But what else I noticed was that they didn't just need that water, they needed the living water of Jesus because that nation is under a curse of sickness and death. And I've got this friend and he's a pastor and he's telling me that he is preaching the gospel everywhere. He messages me and says, Pastor Claire, look at this. And I'm preaching the gospel and they're receiving Jesus and they're loving Jesus and their lives are changing. And because of that, we started a school and now my school is so full that I haven't got enough room in my school. And then he said, and now my church, he said, just this week, I need 30 more chairs because people are filling my church. The river of life is flowing through India and that is the only thing that's going to change the landscape of India is Jesus. Don't you love that? You know um, God, Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about this for a little while and please bear with me if you've heard this story before but he reminded me and he spoke a word to me and he said the word Rodney and I said okay God I know what you're saying and Rodney um, is a story about a little township in the state of Mississippi and it, lives, um, it was in America near New Orleans. And it, this little township was built on the river beside the Mississippi River. And because it was built beside the river, it quickly th- flourished and thrived and grew. And um, it became this prominent port for industry for cotton. This little river, this little town became probably one of the busiest and most prominent seaports in America at that time in the 1900s. And because it prospered so quickly, restaurants, hotels, schools, business places, banks, just thousands of people came to live in Rodney. And it had started really small, but it ended up really, really big. And actually only lost being the um, the capital of the state by three votes because it was so prominent. But something happened to this little city. You see, the Mississippi River over a number of years began to change course. And little by little, the river moved its course and went in a different direction. By the early 1900s, Rodney, Mississippi was over three miles away from the river. Everything they had done was around the river. But when the river began to go into the opposite direction and there was a three-mile distance, suddenly no longer was the access to the river. And commerce commerce and wealth dried up and the the town slowly began to wither 
and in the end actually die. It became a ghost town. If you go there today, there's only one road in and one road out. All that's left is an old decayed, I think I've got a photo of it there, an old decayed church that's caving in on itself. There's no business activity, there's no people, it's a hollow shell of a town. Have we got a picture? There it is. That's all that's left of this prominent city. You see, when the river moved, they failed to notice. So what happened? The engineers, they studied this town and they found the river would not have moved except with so much industry coming in and out of the city, the river had a build-up of debris. Over time, so much silt and debris accumulated in the river that it began to obstruct the flow of the river. And engineers say it didn't happen overnight. It happened little by little. And this is what happened to Abraham's wells. And this is what happens to our wells. Okay, our walk with God can be exactly the same. We lose sight of what's important. The very things that connect it to the source, to who he is, that river of life. We stop doing that. We stop reading our Bible. We stop praying. We stop turning up to church. We actually even stop believing the whole gospel. Do you know what else we do? We start taking bits out of it just to suit what we believe. We start to deconstruct our faith because now how this reads doesn't fit with where we live. And so we start to move it around. The river has moved, but you didn't move with it. You see, we lose our foundations. Very important. Foundations of our, our faith. And we fall into a trap of religion, not relationship. We can't even see that there's maybe no presence left. The church has lost who it was supposed to be. And what was a priority now isn't a priority because what we do is we add on our religion or whatever we do to our busy life. The river has moved church. So what do we learn from our little, little town, Rodney? Check your priorities, okay? Seek first the kingdom of God. Put them first. What's your focus? Is Jesus your focus? Honour. Do you know what the word honour means? What you give weight to, what you value. I know that I value my dogs because I walk them every day as much as I can. I know I value food because I never miss a meal. Think about it. Are we supposed to honour God with our time, our treasure and our talent? Okay, don't neglect your life source. That little, little town, Rodney, it never became a prominent city without the river. It neglected its life source. It lost its mission. Rodney did not keep a pathway for the river clean. See, they had no cleanup routine. They did not deal with the junk. And I believe the prophetic word that you gave us, Val, was a word that said, would we clean up our junk? Junk has come from old seasons of heartache and woundedness. Your junk is going to stop the flow. My junk is going to stop the flow, okay? David said, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And you know, the prophet said, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Is your heart flowing sweet water or bitter water? I asked the question. You see, if Rodney had kept his connection with the river, its focus, it would still be there today, wouldn't it? Do you know what Rodney means? Swift river. That, that little town, you saw the picture, it's so far away from its original identity and destiny, okay? It is nothing like it was ever meant to be. And now, Rodney does not even fit its name. I felt a, such a wake-up call on the church. 
I'm like, the church began in Acts. Do we fit the name of the the church of Acts, where we are full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, passionate for the kingdom? Do you know that there was no one in lack in the house of God in the book of Acts? There were signs, wonders, and miracles. 3,000 were added to the church in one day because the Holy Spirit, the river, was flowing through a mighty church. Ephesians 1.11 says, says, before we were even born, He gave us destiny that we would fulfill the plan of of God. God has something great for us to do. Church, it's time we live our destiny. It's time we become exactly what the book of Acts is and find that river again and deal with our junk. He wants us to have fresh, clean water flowing out of our life. Highway has a now word, a now word from God from the book of Haggai. Haggai calls us back to redigging the well. Be a thin place, a black back to a place or building the place where the presence of God dwells and lives and flows through our lives, where we hear the now word of God and we move with it. Okay, they too, you know, they'd come back from captivity, 70 years in captivity, imagine that. They were so excited. They had a word from God, we're gonna build his house. Do you know? And I don't even know if this commentary I read was right, but it said within one month, they built the foundations. Awesome. But within that month after, they stopped building. They had everything they needed to build the temple, every single thing, nothing missing. But what happened? The enemy came to stop up the wells and the building stopped. 18 years later, whoa, what a waste of time. 18 years later, there's a call back to these very same people to rebuild. I thought that was so kind. The ones who'd walked away was the ones he said, come, come back, come back. Because remember when I said at the beginning, everything God does is motivated by love. And he chooses the very ones who probably in their eyes said, we failed the mission. And he said, I pick you. And you know what? He said to me, I pick you, Claire, because there was a time that I did the same thing, that I sat down. I came out of a hard season and I said, God, I don't want to do that anymore because that hurts too much. And so I sat down and God said to me, you know what, you, I pick you. The assignment still stands. How cool is that? I love that. But they had to make some adjustments to their life. Okay, what had stopped them building in the first place? But what had stopped them was the enemy. And Ezra actually tells us that the enemy had come and they'd brought opposition and they had frustrated their plans. So everything they went to do was too hard and too difficult. And so they stopped. But what the Lord said to me, that no longer is an excuse. God was calling them back to mission. They had lost sight of what was important and Haggai calls them back to check your flow. Think about it. Okay, Haggai 1.3, then the word of the Lord came through the, God, the prophet Haggai. Verse 4, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains of ruin? Now is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways, check your flow. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. No flow happening there. You put on clothes but are not worn. You earn wages only to put them in purses with holes in it. The Message Bible says you keep drinking and drinking and drinking but you're always thirsty. No river flowing there. I have a little friend. She has been drug addicted for 11 years. 
and she is now in Teen Challenge and she's doing really well. But she said to me, if I had known how much of a detour my life would be 11 years ago when I took that first drug, she said, nothing in this world would get me to take that drug again. 11 years is a long journey. But God in his kindness says to her, hey, I pick you to renovate, restore. Because guess what? She's going to go back into the drug world. And she's going to have a pathway to freedom that she's going to shout from the mountaintops. Because guess what? The river of life is flowing through her. And she is going to be free. And I tell you, the greatest, greatest healing that comes in our life is when we go again. When we say, yes. Yes, again, when we say, God, I am going to go again. And this is what Hagar was saying to the people. You see, they were like Rodney, so far from their true identity, because God had always chosen his people to live in blessing and favor. He had called them his own special treasure. He said, you're called to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Bless when you come in, bless when you go out. Blessing on your bodies, blessing on your livestock, blessing in the township. You will lend to many, you will not have to borrow because the blessing and the presence of God will be flowing through you. That is who you are. You are not meant to have a temple lying in ruins. You are not meant to live in a place of captivity. You are supposed to be free. But what you had lost sight of was my presence. The people were designed to reflect God's glory but they were so far from their true identity and so what has God asked him to do repent nothing changes until we repent God I'm sorry I'm sorry repent of the self-focus building their own kingdoms oh church we need to repent of that I ask God forgiveness for that while his house lay in ruins the church is in trouble and all we focus on is self do you know Tanil taught me this that in the Satanic Bible, the main theme is self. The Bible says where there is selfish ambition, there's all kinds of strife. So, of course, what is the devil going to use to fill our wells with? Self. This culture in this world, selfies. Think about it. You know, it's not really that funny, is it? Self is always going to trip us up, okay? But God loves his people, he never leaves us there, okay? He calls us back to life. And where the people went wrong was they stopped digging. Okay, they stopped, they forgot that they had a God, that even when opposition comes, even when frustration comes, even when discouragement comes, we have a God that's victorious. We sang about it this morning. He's never lost a battle, has he, Mark? And they forgot that even if you get opposition, even if it gets hard, even if it hurts a lot, we still have a God that says, my plans will not be thwarted. My plans will be seen and finished and completed. And their assignment had not changed. Church, if you will stick with God's plan, even when it's hard, even when it seems like nothing's happening, if you would just stay with Him, I tell you what, even when you feel failure, failure so deeply, God's plans will come to fruition. Okay, you just got to stay faithful. But I had, God did actually speak to me, okay? He said to me, if you ever had a long season, and many of you in this room have, where the building has stopped, it is the greatest honour to build again. I know, because this is my life, okay? Um, even if you've seen great devastation, because this is what the children of Israel, they had seen incredible de devastation, and yet God called them back. He called them to be part of the renovation team. I like that. I'm part of the renovation team. 
But what I heard God say to me is sometimes pain does take us out of our battle and takes us off the building site. I have been there. So I understand Life happens and your pain matters. He said that to me so clearly. He said, your pain matters to him. It mattered to him that his people were 70 years in captivity. It mattered to him that their temple, which was the most beautiful temple that had ever been built, was devastated and in ruins. It mattered to him that when they came back from captivity, they were hurting. Okay, but this is what he said. He says, I'm calling you back to the mission. I'm calling you back to build again, to build something that I can take pleasure in. All right? And this is what he said to me. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. Okay. Hey, church, this is good for us. It's good for the church. I really got touched this week. Bill Johnson, um, a couple of weeks ago, he, he had this message, and it's called Living the Last Mile. And he talked about how many people start really well, but they don't necessarily finish well. And he said many of his friends had a great call of God on their life, and they'd seen incredible moves of God, but the fire had gone out. And he said discouragement, hurt, offense, all these things had set in. And they'd disconnected themselves from the mission, from the kingdom mission. They'd forgotten. And some of them weren't even in church anymore. Sad, hey. And he said, I encourage you to make the last mile count. And I have a great respect for those who finish well. He was encouraging us, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, there will come a kairos moment, a God appointment where heaven or heaven stops and says, this is your moment because you have stayed faithful. This is your moment and you will reap a mighty, mighty harvest if you would just not give up. You see, when I heard that sermon, what I didn't know was that his wife, Benny, died the week after. And the next Sunday that his wife died, he was up preaching. And you know what he said? He said, I still believe God is good. I still believe God heals. He said, my heart is broken, yes. He said, am I in pain? Yes. Am I sad? Yes. Am I going to miss it? Yes. But the assignment does not change. The assignment doesn't change. And he said they stood around her bed as a family. And they declared as a family they would still serve a God that heals. They would still serve a God that was good. And that the assignment does not change. And they would continue with the assignment until such time as they meet again. I love that. You see, in his darkest moment, what's he drinking from? A well that he had been digging over the years with his Lord. That he knew even when everything was lost and everything seemed dark... He was faithful. He could trust him, even in this moment. You see, don't let what happened to you stop your flow. Don't let your flaws be your focus. I was reminded this week of the Leaning Tower of Pizza. Is that how you say it? Do you say pizza or pizza? <laughs> I'm definitely not a European then, am I? I call it pizza. Um, <laughs> but do you know how weird is that? And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, its flaw is its focus. Something was wrong with its foundations. Oh, dangerous, dangerous when the church starts taking the word of God and changing what's in here. Okay, because what happened, and I looked it up and they said that um, engineers and the architect never designed it to be crooked. He wanted it to be straight. But what they did was they only planted the, 
foundations three metres deep. By the time they got to the third level, it had started to sink on one side. Wow. Don't let your floor be your focus, okay? Don't let what happened to you back there stop you from saying yes to what God's saying in the mission. The assignment still stands. God never designed you to stay broken. He never designed you. He never designed the temple of God to be in ruins. And this is why the book of Haggai is so powerful. Because what he's talking about is you and I. Because we are the temple of God. He said, my, my house lies in ruins. You go here, there, drinking off every other cup, but the water that never runs dry. You, you neglect the place that is your life source. And that's Jesus. And you know, Jesus said that he is our foundation. If you will live your life on him, okay, You'll build your house and it will be straight and strong. And when the storms come, you will stand. But you have to build your house. You have to dig your well. You have to know Jesus. You have to spend time to find out who he is and connect to the life source. You know, I saw um, this with my father. When my father was dying, um, all, you know, he'd lived a life. And when he gave his life to Jesus, he gave his life to Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus. It was no longer him that lived, but Christ who lived in him. The life he lived in the flesh, he now lived by faith in the Son of God who loved him. And when he gave his life to Jesus, he stepped into assignment and mission. And so when he got cancer, had the assignment changed? Is there a legacy for us to carry? Is there a well to dig, redig? Was there water in the, in the well? Not water. There was water, yes. Was there dirt put in the well? Yes. Yes. And then one day... I was in a service and I had been loving Jesus and I'd taken some time out, quite a few years actually, because it was a painful season. And um, I was quietly serving in the house. And I'd say quietly because I was way back in the kids' church, just serving quietly. I was loving Jesus. That hadn't changed. But I was very much still on the sidelines. I hadn't really jumped into that river. And I was in the service this one Sunday and the Lord said to me, would you redig again? Would you dig again, Claire? He was asking me, would I trust him again? Would I say yes? Would I build again? And would I build a house that he would take pleasure in? Would I allow the river of living water to flow through me? Because see, it's really actually quite hard work to dig, okay? But you see, if you will be obedient to what God asks you to do, something shifts. Because I had some dirt in my well. But the moment I said, yes, I would dig again, water started to flow. The obedience was the catalyst for the flow to start again. And as the people in Haggai's day heard the voice of God, and he said, you go up to the mountain, get your timber, and build my house. And then it says, and the people obeyed the word of the Lord. Bang, the tap got poured on. Because immediately the Lord says, I am with you. What does that mean? His presence was tangibly with them. And he said, my spirit remains among you. And then he started to speak promise and covenant over the people. How powerful was that place of obedience? You see, I don't know what God's saying to you today. And you might have some little things that God's asked you to do. But you're like, oh, I heard you, God, but I'm just kind of busy. Or I heard you, God, but that's too hard. And he says, well, the flow stops 
until you say yes and obey. Now, the obedience is not out of with a stick to to whack at you. The obedience is out of love because when you're not in that place of obedience, you're not living in the place of blessing. And you remember our identity was that we would carry the glory of God and the blessing of God and the presence of God. Well, there's these things that block us because we hold on to old hurts and pains of the past. And Jesus wants to come and remove the junk by obedience. When you are obedient to what he asks you to do, the flow will flow, will run again. It's a powerful place. See, Isaac redug the wells. The enemy contended for them, but he did not stay in the place of contention because he dug three wells that his father had dug. And two of those wells, the enemy came to contend with him. Rather than staying in the place of contention, he moved on to the next place. The third well was a well where God said, I have made room. And then... He's digging, doing what God's telling. He's just being obedient, obedient, obedient. And he goes to this place where God leads him to Beersheba. And he says, just camp here. Camp at Beersheba. And Beersheba is a place of covenant. Camp around my promises. Camp where the promise speaks louder than your enemies. Camp where my word says I am victorious and no battle that comes against you will will be, be victorious. But I am victorious. If you will camp in that place, guess what happened? His enemy came to him and made a covenant with him and said, I can tell that God is with you. And that same day, they started to dig a new well. And they dug a new well. And as the enemies came and made covenant, the same moment his servants came up to him and said, we have found water. We have found water. You see, what the Bible actually says is that Isaac actually made that place of promise and covenant a place of worship. He built an altar. Start to worship around his promise. No matter what you're facing, okay, he'll take care of your enemies. But you've got to dig for the water, the fresh water to flow. That is what he's calling his church to do in this day. Are you ready, church? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for his presence to fill you? Are you ready for the rivers of living water to flow through your life out to the dry and damaged hearts that are broken because he wants to use you? And oh my goodness, I have definitely used all my time up. (laughs) Oh, church, church, we have a legacy. Okay, he dug the deepest well at salvation. And I don't know where you're at today. And yes, the musicians can come back. When Isaac redug those wells, everybody was blessed. His livestock, his family, and do you know who else? Us. Do you know that that well at Beersheba became a gateway to the Holy Land? That well has been for since that time, has watered generation after generation after generation. Imagine what little highway Gilston is going to water as we dig this well, as we go again, as we say, Jesus, okay, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to clean up in my life? What part, you know, God actually said to me, he said, Clay, when you're in pain, be really careful what you turn to. Be really careful because when you're in pain, you're very, very vulnerable. Okay, and often you're, paying, you're turned to the easiest place. Now, because we have an enemy, he's going to open a door for you you can walk into. But I tell you what, what he gives you is only a Band-Aid. It will only last this long. And that cup is going to run dry. And you're going to miss destiny. Like Rodney, who was supposed to be a swift river, became a swamp. And Ezekiel tells us that river that comes out of the temple, 
that it flows into the Dead Sea and that everywhere that that river goes, there is multitudes of fish. But he says, but the swamps, the places where the water is stagnant and does not move, is just a swamp and dead. That river that flows through us is meant to be a flow. It's meant to be in and out. We're not supposed to just sit in our seats and do nothing. We're actually supposed to build God's kingdom here on earth. And so today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know whether you've had pain. I don't know whether you've got some junk, because I know I've got junk. What the Lord is saying to all of us is, would you have a rhythm and a routine of cleaning up the junk on a daily basis? Would every day, would you come to the life source? Would you come to Jesus and say, I need to connect with you today afresh? Jesus, I would give you permission to clean out the junk. And Jesus, I say yes, because the assignment doesn't change no matter what has come against me. And I say yes, but I give you permission. When he died on that cross... 2,000 years ago, he died for your pain. He died for your mistakes. He died so that you can carry the river of living water. And he says, you can come freely. There's nothing you need to do but receive the free gift. And so today, if any of you are in this room and you're saying, you know what? I'm stuck at the junk part. I feel like Rodney. I feel like I need that river to flow again in my life. Number one, I'm going to ask you, put your hand up. And if you're super passionate about Jesus, just come to the front. We'll have someone pray for you. Okay, because this is not a season anymore to being afraid or ashamed. This is a season for being passionate for the kingdom. So I would love to pray for you because I know what it is to feel like you got stuck. I know what that feels like. But I also know what it is to feel like when the river flows again. So if anyone is in this room, everyone eyes closed. I'm just going to ask you this morning, not all of you might not know Jesus. Or you may know Jesus, but you may be like the children of Israel where it's nearly 18 years or 20 years since you actually said yes to him. And God's asking you this morning, would you say yes to me again? And you know he's talking to you because you feel something inside of you and you're squirming and actually want to leave the room. But that's God talking to you and saying, I'm picking you. I choose you. And if that's you this morning, you know, Jesus is my greatest friend. Greatest decision I ever did was to say yes to Jesus. And if that's you in this room, I'm just going to give you an opportunity. Say, hey, I'd like to know this Jesus. Or, hey, I got stuck. I feel like Rodney. And I want to become that swift river again where Jesus flows through my life. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to give you a second. Uh, Just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. takes great courage to raise your hand. Thank you. If that's you this morning, don't waste time, okay? My friend, she wasted 11 years. It's not worth it. She now has got so many health issues. And Jesus says, I love her, but she still has to deal with the consequences. And Jesus is saying to you today, there's a place to let that river flow. So if that anyone else this morning, anyone else would like to do? Okay, we're going to end there. Can I pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you know our needs before we even ask. And I thank you, Father, that the very people you called to rebuild the temple were the ones who'd walked away. And I thank you for your love and your mercy. And so I pray, Jesus, I pray that the river of God, the living water would flow through every person in this room today. I pray that they would know what it is to have an intimate, fresh encounter with you, Jesus. And your light would shine in their darkness. I pray that strength would come. I pray they would reconnect back to the life source. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.